Man, we are having technology problems today, people. There we go. So we're going to Belize this summer. It's going to be great. Uh, over the next couple of months, you'll hear some different people maybe share about their experiences in Belize. And this morning, Sarah Wilson is going to share about Belize. So, Sarah? Hi. Um, so Justice just asked me to share um, my, like, testimony or experience with going to Belize. Um, the first time I went to Belize, uh, I was, uh, I had just turned 18, um, and I was kind of going through, like, a little bit of a rough time spiritually. Uh, it was, like, pretty soon after we found out my mom had cancer, and it was just, like, I was kind of in a rough spot, but I heard that the church was going to Belize, and, um, it sounded like really cool and like hearing people's testimonies coming back um i was like i want to try to do that so um i like at the time was working like a job that paid not much and didn't have much hours and stuff so there was like no way i was going to afford it but um i sent out like a support letter and god just brought all the money in that i needed and i ended up going and um, it really uh, opened my eyes to see like that there's like a much bigger purpose for us as believers. Like I think uh, you know I had just kind of been going along. I was doing the church thing. I was um, you know reading my Bible and praying, but I wasn't really doing much to reach other people. Um, and so going to Belize was like a big eye opener that. Uh, People just need Jesus and need the gospel. And um, so going to Belize was a great way to get me out of my comfort zone. Um, I will say it really changed me after that, like, uh, just because once you have your eyes open to that, it's like, um, it just, like, coming back home, it changed the way I viewed everything. Um, so it was a really great uh, experience, and it was really cool to see um, how God worked and to just, uh, like, have God's heart for the lost. Um, and so I definitely encourage anyone who's um, thinking about going to just go, even if you're not sure if, uh, like, you can afford it. Like, God will bring the money in if you're supposed to go. Um, but it was really awesome. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah. I encourage everybody to, at the very least, pray about going. And uh, the cool thing is, we were talking about missions. We've been talking about missions uh, the past couple of months in Life Group. And when you are obedient and you go and you seek to bless other people and other places, God really works in your life, too. So as you go to bless other people, God blesses you and transforms you. And there's an awesome opportunity for that this summer in Belize. And you can sign up, again, in the Church Center app. You don't have to write me a check and carry it over to me. Uh, you can sign up and register and pay and do everything online in the app. So if you have any questions, though, you can talk to me. Uh, with that, we are going to open the Word. All right, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to look at the last part of 1 Timothy 4, verse 7. It says, rather train yourself for godliness. And 
I've been, <clears throat> last week started kind of a summary of the vision and focused on belong. This week, I want to do a summary of flourish. And so I think this verse uh, is a good verse for us to use for that. An update real quick on Pray and Go. We went on Saturday. We were able to uh, hit 100 houses on Saturday, which was actually pretty awesome. You can uh, see the, the poster board out in the foyer. We've already started marking the different streets that we've hit. And we are going... A, a few of you told me that you couldn't make it yesterday, um, but you're making it this Saturday, so I'm looking forward to seeing you guys there. We're also going tomorrow, if that works better, and we're going this Friday. So tomorrow, Friday, and Saturday, and then um, two weeks from Saturday. So anyway, you've got some opportunities, and I'd really like to see everyone in the church participate at least once. Uh, we went out from start to finish. I think we got back to the church around 10.30, so we were from 9 o'clock to 10.30, basically. Um, and I had a real good time and some good fellowship with everyone. Um, my son, Ethan, uh, was with us. He's nine, and he did a great job of keeping um, my team, uh, making sure that we're praying. So every time one of us stopped praying, then he would tell us whose turn it was to start praying. And then he finally was like, Dad, when, can you say amen when you're done praying? Because then I know you're finished praying. <laughs> so anyway, it was it was fun having him out there and... And, uh, and he, did, he did a really good job. So let's review the vision. Uh, let's, you guys kind of got like uh, uh, an F last week. Let's just be honest, okay? Um, you got the three keywords, okay? But um, it's kind of like you can know the math equation, but if you can't solve the problem, ain't going to help you, all right? So you guys had like the equation last week. So belong to the body. Hey, okay, all right. You guys are doing good there. Flourish as disciples. Go in service and mission. Okay. A couple people right here caring, y'all, but that's all right. Okay. You got the equation. You solved the problem today. That's right. So when we talk about belong, think about belong for a second. Adam and Eve belonged. Where did they belong? They belonged in the garden. Ended up getting kicked out. But that's where they belonged. The angels belonged in heaven before the throne of God. Some of them got kicked out. But think about us for a second. Um, where do we belong? We belong with the Son. We belong with the Son. Why? Because we are the bride of Christ. And each one of us is created to belong somewhere. And for believers, that's with Christ because we're the bride of Christ. So that's belong. Then we get to flourish. So we weren't just created to belong. We are actually created to flourish. And I would say we were actually created to flourish somewhere. We're created to flourish somewhere. God made us with the intent, not just to create us and we just go do our own thing, but he created us with the intent for us to flourish. God wants his children flourishing. And he designed us, listen to this, he designed us to flourish in community. He designed us to flourish in community. Um, that place of community for us is the church. Look at 1 Corinthians 12. In verse 7, we're just going to jump right to it. It says this, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All right, to each, to each one. Each one of us is given the manifestation of the Spirit. If you are a believer, one, you got the Spirit. 
But here it says you have the manifestation of the Spirit. What is he talking about? He's talking about each one of us has at least one spiritual gift that God has given us. But what is it for? The manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Right? The common good. So God wants us using our spiritual gifts, as we're going to see in a little bit, to build up one another. So God designed us to flourish in the community of the church. Why? One, it is the pillar and support of the truth. It's the pillar and support of the truth. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. He says in verse 14, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and support. Yours might say buttress, a pillar and and support of the truth. That would make sense that we'd want to go to a place that is truthful, that has truth, that it is the pillar and support of the truth. Why? Because truth, when we're surrounded with truth, it puts us in an environment to be able to flourish. Also, we have to remember this. Christ is the head of this pillar in support of the truth. Look at Colossians 1.18. Start in verse 17. And he, talking about Christ, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So we are all connected together Ultimately, because of who Christ is and his position. He is the head of the church. So we're connected. We are one body. Go back to 1 Corinthians 12 for a second. Now, I want you to see this. In verse, we're going to go down to verse 28, uh, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Notice, though, the very first part of this verse. It says, God did this where? In the church. In the church. Think of the Christian who says, I have a spiritual gift. It's from God. He's given it to me as part of the church, and yet I operate apart from the church. That really doesn't make sense. I mean, it doesn't go together. It's in the church that God has given the spiritual gifts for them to exist and operate, and from then to go forth from that. Why are these gifts given? Look two chapters over, 1 Corinthians 14. It says in verse 4, The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. And Paul is talking here and saying and enlightening us to the idea that our gifts are used to edify one another, to build up the church. How do you build up the church if you're not a part of the church? And how do you build up the church if you're rarely at church? And how do you build up the church if you're not involved in the church? And how do you build up the church if you have a low view of the church? Here's the thing. You need the church. 
I need the church. We just got to admit that. And that, that goes against our culture today, which is all about me, 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 and I can do it myself, and I don't need anybody. That's totally counter God, okay? That's totally counter God. You need the church. We need the church. That's how God has designed us. He has designed us to be in community. If you just want to be the little hand flapping around on your own, you ain't going to be much good, okay? You've got to have the rest of the arm. That's got to be connected up here. So it can actually do something. Just the hand laying on the ground ain't going to be able to do much. So you need the church. I need the church. You know, I was able to spend time with <clears throat> Dan Benson yesterday when we were doing the pray and go. And man, I was encouraged just by spending time with him and walking and praying with him. This man loves Jesus. And I was able to pray with him as we went house to house. And I, I walked away and I was just encouraged the rest of the day just because I got to hang out with Dan Benson a little bit, if you can believe that or not. <clears throat> you know, Dan's an encourager. He's an encourager. And when you're around people and they love Jesus and it's, it's just like flowing out of them, like that affects other people. So I appreciate that. Thank you, Dan. It was a good time yesterday. You know, so that's why when we talk about membership, we talk about church membership. <clears throat> I mean, membership is meaningful. Church membership is meaningful. When you associate with the church, it like says something. It says something about you. It says something about that church. And membership is hard work. It's not easy being a part of the body of Christ. Okay, you got different parts of the body. There's many pitfalls. There's many challenges. There's many obstacles. All different parts trying to be one body. It's going to be tough. But it's possible through Christ. It is possible. And membership is rewarding. I mean, <clears throat> I'm blessed to be a member of a local church. To receive from you guys. And for you guys to receive from one another. And when I see ministry going on, even if it's not me directly involved or being ministered to, like I'm just blessed seeing people minister to other people. So it's meaningful, it's hard work, it's rewarding. That's like a whole sermon itself. I just gave it to you in like 45 seconds, okay? But what does this mean for us personally? It means we need to cling to doctrinal purity. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. It says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. I mean, guys, it, notice what it says, let us hold fast. Okay? Some people uh, hold on to doctrine, like they, they hold on to someone else's snotty Kleenex. Okay? I mean, it's just like, ooh. You ever pick up, like, something nasty off the ground? Like, you're barely holding on to it. That's like the exact opposite idea here. We're supposed to hold fast to it. We're supposed to cling to it. So we've got to start with doctrine and cling to it. And we hold important doctrines tightly. So, like, we're not like James talks about. We're tossed about by every little wave and every little wind. So we're holding to it tightly. And friends, there's a lot of bad doctrine out there. A lot of bad doctrine. And it passes, honestly, sadly, as good doctrine. But it's bad doctrine. And a lot of bad doctrine espoused by supposed teachers of truth. Look, each one of us, we've got to beware of our doctrine, of what we believe. And here's the thing. <clears throat> if you have something that's like 100% truth, and you change just a little tiny bit of it, it's, it's no longer truth. And think of the illustration. I know some of you all are, are programmers. Okay? You're, you're working with code or different things. And I was thinking about this. 
and I've heard some of you share before, like sometimes just a little tiny bit of line of code gets messed up and like it shuts the whole thing down. Like the program don't work. And you can have an entire team working hours and hours and hours trying to figure out what went wrong and what happened. And then they, oh, this little code got messed up. Now I've just done, I've done a little bit of web design and sometimes just one little letter either added or subtracted I mean, can shut the whole website down or get the picture in the wrong place or have the text all looking funky. So it doesn't take much to mess something up, just one little bit. So if you got 100% truth and you add just a little tiny bit of error, I mean, it's in error. Okay, the website's going to flash up, you know, whatever that is, 504 bad gateway or something. You know, the website's down. So we have to hold on to the truth and we got to do it without wavering. Why? Look back at that verse 23. For he, God, who promised is faithful. And sometimes, friends, we can get going in our Christian life and we can be going along and going along and going along and we can sometimes be discouraged. Listen, we got to remember, thankfully it's not up to us to carry us through. He who promised is faithful. We hold fast the confession of our hope without any wavering is God's faithful. Not because we're faithful. All right, we're going to mess up. We're going to fall short. We're going to err. We're going to sin. But God is faithful, and he will carry us through. He will walk us through that. So we've got to stand for truth regardless of the consequences. Some of you might have heard of um, the band Caveman's Call. And they were uh, at, at a convention one time getting ready to perform. And uh, Bruce Wilkinson with the prayer of Jabez, he, he wrote that book. He was up there and kind of giving this whole, you know, little talk on his book. And uh, Derek Webb of Cape and Call, he's, he's in, the, in the backstage and he's getting ready to come up next um, to kind of, you know, promote his band and, and do a couple songs. And... Um, he didn't, he, he, he didn't agree with what Bruce was saying regarding this prayer of Jabez kind of being like the guiding thing we're supposed to pray. And so he's telling his, um, <clears throat> like the president of the record label, like, hey, I got to say something. Like, I got to, and they're like, and, and the record label guy's like, look, they're kind of here to hear Bruce, okay? Like, you're just like the tack on. <laughs> and you're wanting people that are here to hear Bruce, like, to kind of buy your record and listen to your song. So, um, I'm not sure this is the place to do it. But Derek Webb, he got up on the stage after, after Bruce, and he's like, and he just said, he's like, I'm not sure if I agree with that. He's like, but I'm going to sing a song about the gospel. And you listen to this song about the gospel, and you tell me if you think it agrees with what you previously heard. Now, that's, that's a tough call to make in that situation, to stand up for what he believed was the truth, which it was. I mean, but it's the same for us. There's times where we, we, we have to stand for the truth regardless of the consequences. In all sorts of situations, we have to be willing to stand and pay the price. This, this is where we have a confidence, though, not in ourselves, but in the truth. So if you have a gospel doctrine, and I believe we have a gospel doctrine here, we have gospel truths that we believe, but if we just had little individual ones of us all scattered about, if you just take yourself for a second and you believe in gospel truth, but there's not a group of people that believe it, then we really just don't have a church. 
We just got individuals out there scattered all about believing what they want to believe. You need people to have a church. We have to have believers that come together and agree on gospel doctrine and gospel truth that will adhere to it and do what Hebrews says, cling fast to it. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. It says in verse 1, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So what's the idea there? You put away the bad things, the malice, the deceit, the hypocrisy, the envy, the slander. You take upon the good things. Like the newborn infants, you're longing for the pure spiritual milk. Friends, we've got to make sure <clears throat> that we're drinking exactly what he says. Pure spiritual milk. Why? That by it, you may grow up into salvation. So we don't just put away the bad things. We've got to take on the good things. What, what can happen so that we can grow up in salvation? Really, what's that saying? So we can flourish, right? We get saved and we're growing in our salvation. All right, are you all growing in your salvation? Are you becoming more like Christ? Are you being transformed by Christ? And if we want to flourish, we have to meet together. You have to belong and you can't belong if you're not getting together. I feel sorry for people when I talk to them. And they're just like, I used to go to church, but I don't go to church anymore. And, and usually they got some story, and, and it might even be a good reason. But friends, a, a, a person, a believer that's not going to church is going to be a believer that's not growing. You know, it's like you've removed that, that burning log from the fire. What's going to happen? It's just going to smolder out. It's going to smolder out. And the truth is this. We need one another to flourish. Right, you want to see a believer that's growing strong, that's doing well? It's going to be one that's involved in the church, that's ministering, that's using their gifts. And you realize this. I want you to catch this. You realize your fellowship with other believers, your fellowship with other believers is a testimony to ourselves and to others that you're a believer. It's like baptism part two, really. When you're involved in the church, you're deciding to unite yourself with other people. So your baptism is kind of like your first public declaration that you're a believer. But continuing that on is being involved in the church and using your gifts for God's glory. I mean, think about it. The early Christians, I mean, they're being persecuted, right? Yet they met together. They're being tossed to the wild animals. Yet they met together. Why? Because they liked each other. I mean, hardly. Like, look at 1 Corinthians. all sorts of stuff going on there. Why? Because their focus was Christ. That drew them together, and that kept them together. You know, a few years ago, I was in Belize, and I was leading a, a different church that, that particular week. And we're, <clears throat> the last day of the week, uh, we take a little trip to this island, very beautiful island. It's kind of like to kind of unwind and process the week. And uh, everyone gets like some free time, you know. So that church, they got all their friends and all that type of stuff. So they all, everyone kind of scatters. You got like whatever, four or five hours of free time. So I'm on like this beautiful island, this gorgeous island. You know, the water's all blue around you. 
all by myself. And I'm just, it was like the most odd thing because I'm in this beautiful place and it was like I had no one to share it with. It was probably the loneliest feeling I've ever felt in my entire life. Like God's creation, amazing, but here I am, didn't have anyone to share it with. Like we were made and created to do life together. And we miss out when we start carving different people out of our lives or carving this thing out or carving, carving the church out, we, we miss out. We miss out big time. So I want us to flourish as disciples, but flourish, I mean, is, it's kind of like it's in the, the pre, what I'd call the present progressive, like we're doing it and we're continuing to do it. We don't, we don't just flourish once. We are flourishing and flourishing. So we keep growing and we keep growing and we keep growing. And what happens, and I believe believers, are, I've been guilty of this and believers can be guilty of this. At times in our walk with the Lord, we were like, man, I've grown so much. I've grown. Look how far I've come. I've been saved for 19 years. And then, and then we kind of like, you know, just take our foot off the gas for a little bit. And it is true that we have grown and we've come a long way and we've come a long way. <clears throat> but what happens when we take our foot off the gas? Like we end up getting complacent. We get comfortable. We've seen that we've grown, and guess what happens? We become fine with where our current state is. And, you know, Dr. Adams, when he spoke at the Foundations Conference, I liked his analogy, I don't know if you all remember it, of the escalator. And, it, and it's like if you're trying to go, you know, up the escalator backward, you know, the down escalator, if you, you're trying to go up it, you know, that's the kind of a good picture of a spiritual growth. You're kind of working against the grain of the world. But the moment that you stop, what ends up happening? I mean, you're just automatically going backwards. So it takes effort to continue to grow. Listen, I want to encourage us with something. We need to not underestimate the power of relationships especially when it comes to the transmission of faith from one generation to the next. They did this study of um, four-generation families of about 3,500 people total to, to check out the transmission of faith. Now, it wasn't any particular religion, so it was really all religions. But <clears throat> the study concluded that a warm relationship with the parents, in particular the father, was the single most important factor in the faith transmission. Isn't that interesting? The study also discovered that healthy relationships with grandparents and the wider religious community were important for faith transmission. So even grandparents, like you, play a key role in your grandchild becoming a believer and staying true to the faith. But even more for us, Notice, it was the wider religious community. That was one of the key things for transmission of the faith. So, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a single person. It doesn't matter if, if your kids don't go to church here. Like, you play a role in the transmission of the faith for other people here. And for the youth growing up, like, you play a role. And so you can, you can help make that a flourishing atmosphere that makes Christ attractive to the youth 
that we have. And me as a parent, with my kids here, like, I'm dependent on you, and I'm thankful that there are many men and women, but especially the men from my boys, the women from my girl, uh, that they can see not just my example, but they can see your example. Because that greatly, greatly, greatly influences them, whether they know it or not. I don't know how many times, you know, I ran uh, junior high youth ministry for many years, and kids grew up, um, uh, some of them grew up in very godly homes. They start coming, you know, to junior high, whatever, fifth, sixth, seventh grade for the first time, and a number of times, like, they would start flourishing tremendously, Not, not because that was anything great. But what was happening? One, they were with other kids that were like-minded. But two, everything that their parents had taught them and encouraged them and instructed them with was now being like reinforced from a different perspective from a third party. And so they started to see, oh, this, this bubble that maybe I was raised in, there's actually, it's much bigger, and there's a lot of people in that bubble, and it's a good bubble to be in. And things started to click for them. It's the same idea with this wider religious community of passing on our faith. Like we play that, that a similar role where <clears throat> our kids are growing up, people are coming here, and they're seeing there's this wider religious community, and they're, they're, they're looking around, and they're observing. All the young kids, they're observing you and me. And every week we come or don't come, we're making a statement of faith to them. How we interact, how we worship, how we interact with one another, how we treat other adults, how we treat them. And we're making an impact. And I don't know about you, but I mean, I want my kids to be in the faith and grow up in the faith, but I also want all the other kids here too. I mean, do you all want that? I mean, because you all play a role in that. So when we think of flourish, again, you know, let's let's get past the me mentality. So yeah, I want you you individually to flourish, but I also want families to flourish. But I also want the church to flourish. Okay, that's the church. So uh, us flourishing, and when you're flourishing, guess what? That encourages other people to flourish. When you're walking with the Lord, people see that that's an example for them. And I've been challenged many many times by people right here in this room because they've shared with this person or they've gone out of their way to minister to this person or they've made this financial sacrifice and I'm like, oh man, like, I need to do that too. I mean, it's an encouragement, you know, and other times I might have been discouraged or down or something and someone just comes along like with that perfect word at the right time. And then I'm encouraged and I'm going. But I mean, think if they wouldn't have given that perfect word. Or if that person would have made that financial sacrifice. I mean, we need the body. Okay? I need you all, and you all need each other. We all need each other to continue to flourish. Really what all this is talking about is what Timothy hints at back in 1 Timothy 4. So he ends verse 7, Train yourself for godliness. That's the idea of flourishing, friends. And then he goes on, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. 
as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. I mean, we're talking about soul care, basically. And the culture, think of our culture for a second. It's very, very, it's almost really obsessed with, like, health care. You know, and eating the right thing and drinking the right thing, you know, and um, all that stuff. I mean, you go to the YMCA or whatever, and there's, like, 40 different classes of all sorts of weird exercises and things I never even heard of before. Like, I don't even know where they're coming up with this stuff, but it's like, you know, jazzercise and mamba and all this other stuff, okay? And all sorts of things to try to get people to engage with the health. But what does our culture really not emphasize is spiritual health. And I'm talking about soul care here. This is what, this is what Paul is driving at. It's really what the Holy Spirit is driving at for us. Like, some of you all are, are good at exercise and physical exercise. And, and hey, I run. I realize it's important, okay? It's, it's good for me. I need that. But he's saying it's of some value, but godliness, the spiritual soul care, is of value in every way. So it's easy, it's easy for us to swing, you know, and we end up emphasizing all sorts of different things in our life to the exclusion of taking care of our soul. And, and God is telling us through this verse we need to make sure we're taking care of our soul first. If we're not taking care of our soul, it doesn't matter how physically fit we are. And that doesn't matter. God's concerned about the care of your soul. So we need to be focused with our soul when we look at all the different things, just like I talked about a couple weeks ago. Like our primary focus, our relationship with Christ and glorifying the Father. So it starts with this idea of, of soul care. Why? Because that's the idea of flourish. All right? All of us, if, if all of us in here could run a marathon, I mean, that'd be pretty cool, okay? We'd be like the marathon church or something. <clears throat> but that, w- that wouldn't do anything for our spirituality, okay? Not one bit. I mean, we could all run really far, all right? Without stopping, great. We need to be focused on the soul. I want, I want marathon runners when it comes to the soul, like who's going to persevere? Who's going to keep going? Who's going to make it? Who's going to flourish in the long run that's really what i want to see so we got to take care and make sure that our focus not on the physical but on the spiritual okay not in some type of aesthetic sort of way or aesthetic sort of way like take care of yourself physically all right like comb your hair a little bit i appreciate that you know <laughs> do do a couple setups or something you know that's good you do need that but i'm saying primary focus spiritual primary focus soul we want to flourish in that area okay because we're taking care of our own soul but but i believe like i just encouraged us we also got family maybe you know husband to wife husband and and wife to the children but also church we got souls that we're ministering to and helping so let's be faithful to flourish as disciples Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've given us your word. I pray for each person here that we would cling to doctrinal purity. Show us, Lord, where we're not thinking correctly. Show us, Lord, where we're not acting correctly. Lord, change 
our hearts. I pray you'd minister to each one of us. I pray, God, that this church would be a church of disciples that are flourishing. And I pray, God, that you would use us, use us with the pray and go. You know, we passed out 100 cars, Lord. Use each one of them to encourage just the smallest of things, Lord, you can use at times. So I pray you'd use it to encourage. I pray people would um, follow the link and, and read the gospel and receive the truth. Lord, I pray you'd use it, God, for your glory. I pray you'd use it to bring people into this church. Make us the ministers that you want us to be, Father. Change our hearts. We can get caught up with all sorts of stuff with the world, even good things at times. We can get caught up with our kids' stuff. That's good stuff, Lord, but we need to be focused on you and your kingdom. Seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added. So help us to set our hearts rightly on you. Give us hearts ablaze for you, Lord, and for your word. We thank you, God, for the ministry going on here. We thank you, God, that you've gifted us with spiritual gifts to minister to one another, to glorify you. We thank you, Lord, for the work going on. We ask that you would continue it in us, in our fellow members here, in our kids. Lord, we pray for the upcoming um, Christmas musical. We thank you for the ladies working with our kids and ministering to them. The kids are memorizing verses, Lord. Use those verses in those kids' lives. I pray the different family members and friends that will be coming to see the performance, that um, your word would go forth, the gospel would go forth. It would plant seeds in the people that don't know you. We thank you, Lord, for the kids that you've blessed us with. Continue to give the parents here wisdom and discernment and ministering to them. And I pray also that you give wisdom and discernment to everyone here in ministering to other people's kids. Lord, I pray you'd go before us today, whatever you have us to do, that we'd put our hand to the plow and not look back. For your glory. Amen.